1: Brought to you by the
0: reinvented 2012 Camry. It's
1: ready. Are you?
0: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, uh, big news in the world of academia. Yes. Inside Higher Ed on April 8th, 2010, published an article called Male Studies Versus Men's Studies. And it covered uh, the announcement at Wagner College in Staten Island, New York, of the creation of the Foundation for Male Studies. Yes, according to Inside Higher
1: Ed, the Foundation for Male Studies is supposed to support a conference and a journal targeted at exploring the triumphs and struggles of the XY chromosome of the human race without, and this is the kicker here, Without needing to contextualize their ideas as being one half of a male female binary or an offshoot of feminist theory.
0: Now, I have to say, the first time I read that, I didn't understand it. So let's talk about what male studies is and exactly what they might be leaving out. Because here's the thing there's already men's studies. Yes, men's studies already existed. And male, and actually the head
1: of the um, American Men's Studies Association turned down an opportunity to go speak at this uh, announcement about the Male Studies Foundation because he he sees it as, um, uh, he sees them as coming from an ideologically different place, which they are, because men's studies, you could say, is more of, uh, it fits more into the spectrum of gender studies where we mm-hmm. have women's studies and then we also have men's studies and then, of course, we have queer studies and gender studies, all of that. But male studies is really meant to kind of set itself apart, to really just focus on just men and their struggles and what they would argue are their oppression today as a result of women's studies and feminism.
0: Right. The event was a chance for supporters, and this is a direct line, to frame men and boys as an underrepresented minority. And uh, let's the founders of this department, Lionel Tiger, who's a professor of anthropology at Rutgers University, and Christina Hoff Summers, who is a scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, wrote a book called The War Against Boys, How Misguided Feminism is Harming Our Young Men. And so they both make the point that feminism has hurt men and has taught women how to hate men. And thus men need an academic department, male studies, to um, teach them how to be men and to teach them that being a man is okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And, um, another name that comes up a lot in this too is, uh, Paul Nathanson, who's a researcher in religious studies at McGill University. And he co-authored a series of books on Miss Andry or the hatred of men and boys. And he says that we're to the point that, um, feminists, though not all feminists, are perpetuating this um, antagonism towards uh, men and boys and kind of like you said, not allowing men to really be men and having to constantly apologize for just their basic natures. Mm -hmm. So now
0: that is, I guess that's sort of the difference is that men's studies doesn't hate feminists, to put it really simply. Yeah. Male studies thinks that feminism has really hurt society and has created something called the lace ceiling or the lace curtain. The
1: lace curtain. Yeah. We've basically gotten to the point. They would, they would argue that, um, instead of, you know, women have broken through the glass ceiling and and men now have a lace curtain that they can see through, but they cannot penetrate because they are systematically oppressed. Because, uh, they th- say that academia really favors women now, especially in, um, graduate programs and onward. And, um, also things like affirmative, a- affirmative action, uh, would disfavor, you know, white, white men.
0: Now, I'm just going to speak for myself. Maybe I'm speaking for Kristen too, but, but I'm trying to be very careful in laying out what this is. But it's, I'm just going to go ahead and say I have a really hard time with it. And I think most, uh, women would. Let's take a quote from Christina Hoff Summers, the one who wrote about the misguided feminism. She writes, there are a lot of homely women in women's studies. Preaching these anti-male, anti-sex sermons is a way for them to compensate for various heartaches. They're just mad at the beautiful girls. Yeah, and
1: that's a quote um, from her in Esquire. Uh, So, I mean, obviously, like the, the news coverage of this has not been very positive at all. First of all, because... You know, men's studies already exist. So it definitely seems like male studies has a specific agenda that they are really trying to tackle. And I don't think that it's really gotten much support, at least from the uh, the reports that we've seen, Molly. It really hasn't gotten much support from the academic world either. But one magazine that has seemed to offered a little bit of support, not too surprisingly, is the National Post. Um, in their initial report on this male studies announcement, they kind of back up the need for... You know, girding up men and boys in the United States because they say, you know, in the latest recession. And let me just preface this by saying these are the National Post statistics and I have not double checked them, but it says in the latest recession, 82 percent of pink, slant, pink slips handed out in the U.S. went to men, Um boys and young men commit suicide at a rate four times than that of girls and young women. Boys are far more likely to be diagnosed with ADHD and put on Ritalin. And on a side note, boys are also more likely to be diagnosed as autistic. Um, and in the United States, women outlive men by an average of seven years. Uh, men are more likely to become homeless. It says at universities in the U.S. and Canada, women make up about 60% of the student population and men only 40%. Uh, <laughs> well, that would make sense if men were 60%. Good job doing math. um <laughs> And uh, and it says, amid this growing divide between the sexes, 90% of the academic resources for gender studies are devoted to women. So all of that is to say that basically women are becoming, women are taking over.
0: Yeah. You Men know? are in an oppressed class is their argument.
1: Yeah, and, and Christina Hoffman, who you quoted earlier from Esquire, has said that, Male studies is necessary because just as back in the 60s and 70s, women's studies, she said, was necessary to bring women into, uh, you know, offer them more educational opportunities, bring our achievement up and open up more employment opportunities for us. Um, she said now this is the time we need to do the same thing for boys because they are falling behind um, in school. And, uh, but I would say to that, then why are you not looking at, you know, educating boys? You know, this, this, this assumes that, um, someone's going to actually make it through the educational system, make it into college and be able to study male studies.
0: Well, it's not like, you know, second wave feminists went after five year olds. I mean, you go after, you know, who you can go after. But I think that that quote more gets at the question why would you have male studies without considering what, feminism is and why it, you know, why you would look at a male-female binary. I mean, there seems like they're so stuck on looking just at males in a vacuum that I don't know how you could, you know, even make your case that men... How do you make your case that men are oppressed without discussing why they're oppressed? Mm-hmm. And um, I
1: mean, in, in this issue of the, the vacuum that you bring up, I think that, you know, from our personal experience, because women's studies classes do like to relate things back to personal experience. But I think, you know, for instance, with this podcast, we talk a lot about women. We've gotten criticized for saying, well, you know, are you guys, you guys aren't talking enough about men. Are you just man bashing? No. I mean, the point of the conversation is like we want men to be part of it as well. And we want to study as much about why you do what you do because, you know, without men, we wouldn't have a conversation, you know, without, uh, without men, women's studies wouldn't exist.
0: So let's talk about what women's studies is just a little bit and why there would be such a backlash against it in the creation of male studies. Women's studies started in the late 1960s um, as part of, you know, the, the changes that were going on in the world, the second wave feminist, feminist civil rights movement, And there were scholars who realized that if you looked back at textbooks, history books, you know, literature texts, it was all male centric. There was nothing to teach a woman about her place in the world.
1: Yeah. And so then in fall of 1970, we have the first formal women's studies department founded at San Diego State University. And then Cornell followed up with the second women's studies department. Um, I think it was also that year or maybe it was spring spring. Of 1971, And then in January 1977, we have the National Women's Studies Association formed in San Francisco to promote the field's development. And then by 2000, we have more than 700 women's studies programs in the United States, many that offer either concentration, certificate, minor, or a major degree. Now, I will say that in recent years, some funding has lagged for Women's Studies Department, and I think that there has been a drop in the number of women's studies. Uh, departments and colleges and universities in the U.S. and Canada, but really since the 1970s it took off and it's a pretty common it's a pretty common program to find. I know that at my university we had a women's studies department. Mm-hmm. It was in this really depressing, windowless building, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was there. Did you take any classes? I did not take any classes. I feel like Stuff Mom Never Told You has been me teaching the homeschool version, if you will, (laughs) of women's studies for me. But no, I never just kind of never fit into my course load.
0: Well, I took a women's studies class and um, I was very interested to read an article by Karen Lehrman and Mother Jones. And it's a little bit it's a little bit dated. It's from 1993. But I was just trying to relate my own experience to this article, which is funny because that's what Lehrman seems to hate about women's studies is that. A lot of the classes, you'll you'll do a reading of, you know, oppression. And then you'll come in, you'll talk about how you recognize oppression in your own life. And she doesn't think that the women in these classes should be uh, doing so much personal introspection that they need to be doing more scholarly analysis. But, you know, there have been questions of, do we still need this kind of department? You know, Kristen and I are both born after second wave feminism. We didn't have to fight for, you know, equality even though we may still be fighting sort of on a daily basis to, let's say, get equal pay or get the same kind of respect that maybe males are afforded. I'm not talking about specifically, but that's what women, you know, throughout the country are doing. And so do you still need a class where Lerman says you walk in and you learn that men are oppressing you and that you're a victim and that all the evils of the world are caused by um, Western men? Well, I think the most troubling
1: issue um, that she brings up in this article, and again, yeah, it's dated, but I wouldn't be surprised, too surprised if this was still um, an issue in some women's studies classes, was that some of, and she she traveled across the country and sat in on a number of different classes, talked to a number of different um, professors. So this really isn't, it, it's not just focused on uh, one college or university, but uh, she brings up the fact that sometimes professors and the students would go out of their way to ostracize the, you know, brave male or two mm-hmm. who would come into the class and actually go out of their way to try to get them to drop the class. I mean, granted, I will say that it was, when I was in college, it was a little bit of a joke when a guy would take a male studies class, would be like, Oh, looks, you know, he's just trying to get some dates out of this and see. A women's studies class? Uh huh. That he's just trying to seem uh, sensitive. But, um, but I, I think it's incredibly damaging to try to, you know, if men want to join this conversation, I say, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, some of the professors, uh, from what um, the Mother Jones article says, wouldn't want to have men in the class because they were worried that it wouldn't um, it would prevent the, the female students from feeling open about sharing. Mm-hmm. And um, but I would say to that, um, you know, I, I feel like college is all about preparing you for. The real world and society, and and I think what I said to you, Molly, was you know, the real world isn't just Girl Scout camp. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to deal with men and be open and honest with men, and also, you know, get their perspective
0: on things as well, because we don't live in some kind of gender vacuum. Well, it'll be interesting to see if the founders of male studies will welcome women into their classes. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you gonna? you know, teach women how the ideal man, according to male studies, should operate so that a woman who becomes a mother can raise him that way. And I guess the problem, and I think that maybe, you know, women's studies might have the same problem in perception as maybe male studies has, is that it's a bunch of angry women in a room. I mean, that was not my experience at all, but... I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, just think back to that joke that you were telling. It's not necessarily true, but everyone thinks that it's a bunch of women in a room, that the token man is just there to pick them up, and that it's women complaining about the fact that, you know, men rape them, or men take their jobs, or men make them stay home. And so I think that our weird perception of these programs and making them something that outsiders take is is what's done the most damage. Now, there definitely
1: are men in women's studies programs, um, and there was a Guardian article from 2006 even, even talking about how there was a rising number of, uh, of men in taking women's studies courses in area colleges and universities, but at certain institutions, They also have the option of taking men's studies courses. And let me just distinguish one more time really fast the difference between male studies and men's studies, because male studies is the new discipline that they are trying to start at uh, Wagner College that Molly and I were talking about a few minutes ago, whereas men's studies has been around for a while sort of as a complement to women's studies and part of gender studies.
0: So Men's Studies' most prominent organization, obviously, is titled the American Men's Studies Association. And on their website, they have a really good history of how they started. Um, they're, you know, a new organization, 1991. And they grew out of the National Organization for Men Against Sexism, known as NOMAS. And um basically, there was sort of a rift because Men's Studies wanted to be its own organization. And the NOMOS people were like, you know, we're about men in combination with feminism. And... The American Men's Studies Association didn't, you know, dismiss feminism the way that male studies seems to want to, but just wanted its own organization where men could do scholarly research on boyhood, masculinities, fathers. Um, I think we've cited some of their work, Kristen, in talking about other issues, mm-hmm. but they are about providing a forum of open and inclusive dialogue, which involves a spirit of mutual respect for our common humanity. So not necessarily, you know... Pushing a feminist agenda, but understanding that men and women are on this planet together, both deserve respect. But why do men do the things they do?
1: Yeah, and it also tries to look at oppression um, in all forms, not just sexism. We have, you know racism, homophobia, anti anti-Semitism, classism, et cetera. So it's not just looking at you know, male versus female, but more, you know, men, men in the world mm-hmm. and all of the, you know the manifold issues
0: that uh that come up. Well, and I think what's interesting, Kristen, is, you know, when people ask me what this podcast about, is about, I tend to say gender issues. Uh because I think that, you know, men's studies and women's studies are really working towards the same thing now. So why the so while the American Men's Studies Association is focused on studying men, uh, we do want to give a shout out to XY Online and No Moss, which are men's groups that acknowledge feminism, support it, uh, um, oppose oppression in any form, and have really great scholarly articles about what it means to be a man in the midst of this crazy world we all live in. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, like, just as much as we value discussions on, for instance,
1: what it means to be feminine, I mean, I think that it would be just as valuable for men to explore the social meanings of what it means to be masculine mm-hmm. because just as loaded as feminine is for a woman and how negative that can be at some point and restrictive, I'm sure that men experience the same things with um, you know, the the dictates of masculinity. You know, so I think that uh I think that it's it's great that men's studies is out there and I think it that it's necessary to embrace both uh both genders. I like the idea really, Molly, of just gender studies. Gender studies. You know, I mean why don't we just why don't we just put this all under one big happy umbrella like like some institutions do and just call it uh, gender studies. Because then we also have, we haven't even talked about queer studies too. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many things under that. But what is male studies? Because you probably, you know, people might start hearing, this might come up again because they're supposed to have their first annual conference in October. So I have a feeling that male studies is going to pop back up in the news cycle. But it's going to be very interesting to see whether or not they get this $2 million funding that Lionel Tiger is aiming for to really get the program off the ground, or if it is going to just dissolve. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, do we really need male studies if we already have men's studies, especially since the object of male studies is to, um, oh, I don't know, uh,
0: disqualify feminism? And then, you know, by that extent, do we need women's studies? I mean, does it serve a purpose? Do you think that women's studies, by having women's studies in some way, it is oppressing men? I mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean, really briefly, I think that we should, uh, we should mention that there was a lawsuit,
1: um, that, uh, one lawyer brought because Columbia University, um, didn't have a men's studies program, not male studies. This is men's studies. Okay. Um, and they took it to court saying, Hey, this is discrimination. You're violating our first amendment rights by, uh, by having men's studies. And the reason why the lawyer though lost the case was that he tried to claim that feminism was a form of religion and, you know, therefore was under the first amendment. And so men's studies should also be afforded the same, same rights. And the judge was like, um, if feminism is a religion, then so is physics. Yeah. I'm throwing this case out.
0: The case was dismissed. It should be noted that this guy also sued uh, nightclubs in Manhattan because they had ladies' night drinks. Oh man! So he's 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 That's he finds himself <laughs> as an anti-feminist. But you know, it's a complicated subject. So is college. Here's the merging of the two. We need your feedback on this issue. Yeah, and I think the mo- the most important thing to take away from it too
1: is that men's studies is not anti-feminist. Male studies is... Such a fine line. <laughs> Men's and male. Oh. I wish they'd come up with a different name from than male studies. <laughs> Superman studies? Dude studies. Dude studies. That would have been easier to differentiate. Anyway, yeah, let us hear your thoughts. And uh, we can email us at, at stuffworks.com. And Molly, why don't we read a couple emails? <laughs>
0: So our first email is from Holly, and it's about our Women in Tattoos podcast. She writes, I have several tattoos, and all but one are quite large, and even working in a very creative field, I have definitely noticed a hesitation on the part of employers or future employers when they notice my tattoos. More than once, I've been told I need to alter my wardrobe to cover said tattoos while working or when out in the presence of clients. I should also say that none of my tattoos are in any risque spots, and none of them contain imagery or writing that could be offensive to another person. But neither the placement or the content of my tattoos seems to matter. The simple fact that I have them seems to make employers apprehensive. I don't think I decided to get tattoos to appear tough or to go against the grain because I've always been very accepting of however people choose to look and never considered looking a little different to be negative. Having said that, I understand that not everyone is as, is as accepting, and I'm happy to say I've been lucky enough to encounter people who are willing to let me prove that even with the tattoos, I can be a valuable employee. I may have to work a little harder to prove this than other women, but I'm willing to because I really do love my tattoos, and who knows, maybe I'll open people up to being a little more accepting of tattoos in the workplace.
1: All right, well, I've got one here also about tattoos, and this is from Victoria, and she wrote in because she said she can relate to what... I said about um, comments that I received on my little tattoo. Um, and she said, It's true that my tattoo is for me, and yet people still think it's their duty to let me know what they think of my tattoo. Most of their comments come from people of the older generation who seem to disprove of them and the men who believe in those stereotypes. I would just like to say it is none of their business and that they can keep their comments to themselves. I'm not telling them to get a tattoo, so why do they need to tell me their opinions? I didn't get my tattoo to be powerful or send a message of any kind, and that's why I chose to use my back as a canvas. I wish there really wasn't such a stigma around women having tattoos. Just because I have one and I have one on my lower back does not make me any less of a human being or that I deserve to be degraded for them. It's a given that not everyone's going to be on the same page about tattoos, but just like people with tattoos don't comment on tattoo-less people, people without them shouldn't be making comments on our tattoos.
0: There we go. We want to know your thoughts on anything we talk about or anything you'd like us to talk about. The email is momstuffathowstuffworks.com. We also have a Facebook and we have a Twitter. And there's no excuse for not getting in touch with us. We also have a blog. You can leave comments there as well. And our blog is at howstuffworks.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the Reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?